Good morning, everyone. And uh, right off the get-go, before I even start preaching, I just want to say I know I sound awful right now. Um, I know I sound sick, but <clears throat> I just want to say I am actually not. I work with uh, John Harrell at Safe and Sound, and I've actually been up in an attic for two days of this week, and ever since then, it's just wreaked havoc on my sinuses. So <clears throat> please don't treat me like I have COVID. I promise you I don't. And y'all are just going to have to deal with this. So sorry. <laughs> if I start coughing in the middle of the service, just go along with it. And the service may take a bit longer than it normally does, but we'll get through it just fine. So <clears throat> just bear with me. So <clears throat> as uh, Preston had said, my name is Jackson Holt. I have grown up here at True Life, and I've currently I've served as a pastoral intern in the past, and I'm currently serving as, lack of a better term, a youth minister at Children of Christ. I'm married to one of the most wonderful women in the world, uh, Mara. Most of you guys know her. It's still, I'm still having to get used to calling her Mara Holt instead of Mara Phillips. It's been a hard transition for me to get that. Um, but I'm super humbled to be able to come share God's word with you today. You know, as Preston and Pastor Jimmy have said, there are a lot of people who are hurting right now. And hurting in ways that are much more than just a little bit of a congestion or having COVID or the flu or whatever it is. There are a lot of people who are in very serious health situations or in very serious spiritual battles. And so what I want to do today is to let you guys know that God is in control, even of those hard circumstances. The passage that we're going to be looking at today, as Preston said, is Jesus calms the storms. And you can find that in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And I know for a fact that you guys have heard this passage before. Either have studied it yourself, read it yourself, or have heard it preached on. But this specific passage has been used in my life to comfort me in so many different ways. A way specifically that had comforted me not too long ago, about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, or a little bit shorter than that, was my uh, wife, who was at the time my girlfriend. She started developing health issues, and these health issues they were almost like a uh, seizure when they would act up. It wasn't seizures. We did multiple brain scans. We did multiple tests to try to figure out what it was, and the doctors could not tell us anything. It was very trying and hard times, and in some ways, she's still dealing with those things. But I remember one Sunday, I get up while she was going through, and the episodes were heavy at that time. I get up early, and I feel like God was calling me to have a Bible study. So I did, and he led me to actually this exact passage. And like you guys, I had heard this passage either read I'd heard it studied on, and I've heard it taught on. And most of the times that this passage is taught on, it's taught with a main idea being, Jesus will get you through the storms. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out just fine. He's going to get you through the storms. But I don't believe that's what the main idea of this text is. And this mor or that morning when I was studying it, I could not find that to be the main idea. God actually led me to see that what the main idea of this is is that he is in control no matter the circumstance. He's not surprised by the situations that we find ourselves in. And even he's put us in those situations for a purpose. And we're going to see that his purpose could be to bring glory to himself, to teach us something, or to bring something good out of those situations. But the main idea of this text is that God is in control no matter the circumstance. And so I went and I took this understanding that I had learned that morning. And basically, he's like, okay, God, got a little bit spiritual high, and so I head to church. And then I begin to sit with my girlfriend at the time, and an episode starts happening during the service. And so I start noticing her head is starting to bobble a little bit, and she's starting to lose strength. She's not 
doesn't have much control of her hands at this point. And so me and her sister Alexandra end up noticing this. And so we get her and we take her back into Miss Lori's office. There's a couch in there. We got her laid out. Abby Perez was actually there with me. And we were trying to take care of her as Mara was going through this episode. And there were other stuff externally that was actually going on to add into this situation. She actually had just started a job and was trying to figure out the new stresses that starting a full-time job brings on that. I was actually also trying to make a decision about whether to take a ministry opportunity or not. And we were also trying to navigate about getting married. There were all of these things that started happening there. And on top of that, while I'm sitting there with Mara, I get a phone call, and it's my family saying, hey, Dad's in the hospital right now. He's showing signs of having a heart attack. Pray. And so all of these things just hit right at that specific moment. And the only thing that I had to hang on to was this passage and God telling me, I'm in control. We're going to continue this story a bit later on in the message. But this is something that I want you guys to see. That no matter how bad the situation that you are in currently, God is in control of it. He has a purpose, he's in control, and he has the power to change that situation. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through our passage, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll begin our study. So let's read, starting in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And it says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And there were other boats with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Lord, I just ask that as we go through this message, Lord, that you would instill in every single one of us, Lord, that you are in control, Lord. No matter how bad the situation is in our lives, Lord, that you have us there for a purpose and you are complete control and you have the power and the ability to change the situation that we are in. There is nothing that goes on in our lives, Lord, that you cannot change or that you do, are not control over. And I pray today that you'd give us the faith to believe that and that you'd give us the faith to walk that out as we go through our lives. In your son's name we pray. <clears throat> so the first thing that we're going to look at in our text today is that God sometimes is the one who leads us into storms. And so this is a biblical truth. This is a biblical truth that you can find from cover to cover. Some people would hear that and be like, no, God would not put his children that he loves in a hard situation. They were completely, that's completely contrary to what they believe. But this is a biblical truth. You can see it cover to cover. And specifically, I believe in this text, you can see it in verse 35. When it says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Well, what was that day specifically? If you look Earlier in Mark chapter 4, you can see Jesus, he taught the disciples privately, he taught wide openly to a multitude of people, and he'd even done some miracles throughout this day. Jesus had had a long day, so I can just imagine 
Jesus is a human like we are. Imagine he's probably beat, and he's probably saying to the disciples, let's go to the other side of the sea. Let's go to where we can get away for a little bit. And so then he says to the disciples after that long day, let us go across to the other side. And this is where we can actually see that the reason why the disciples ended up in the storm is because Jesus led them to it. This is not just an isolated account. If you look all the way back in Genesis, you can see in the life of Joseph where God allowed Joseph to be beaten, to be sold into slavery, and even to be put into prison under false accusations. But later on in his life, when he sees his brothers again, he tells his brothers, what you meant for evil against me, God meant it for good. In other, way, in other words, God had led Joseph through those hard times. You can also see this again in the Gospel of John in chapter 9. This account is with Jesus and the disciples. They're walking down the road, and as they're walking down, they see a blind man. And so the disciples, they look at Jesus, and they say, why was this man born blind? Was it because his parents had sinned, or was it because he himself had sinned? And Jesus looks at him and says, both of those ideas are wrong. The reason why this man was born blind is because I wanted the glory of God to be manifested in him. The reason why I made him this way, fearfully and wonderfully, is so that the glory of God could be shown through him. And another example of this, and you can see in the life of Job, which I know all of us are familiar with, God was the one who allowed Job to suffer. He was the one who allowed Job to go through those hardships. And this could be a very hard reality to understand, that God is sometimes the one who leads us into these circumstances. But I want us to take comfort in the fact that he never leads us into these circumstances senselessly. He always has a reason and a purpose behind it. If you look again at the examples that we just looked at, in the first example with Joseph, God brought him through this suffering so that something good could come out of it. And that good was because Joseph was put into prison, he was put in a position to where he became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt and practically the world at this point. And then God used him in that position to save his family from a famine, which thus saved the entire nation of Israel. In the other two accounts, you can see that God orchestrated these events to bring himself glory. God got glory through these people's trials. Job never specifically got the reason why he was suffering from God. But one of the things that I love about Job is when God confronts him and he shows Job all of his glory, Job looks at him and says, God, I'm sorry that I spoke against you. I spoke of things that were too wonderful for me to understand. God does lead us into hard situations sometimes but he always leads us there with a purpose. Whether it be to bring glory to himself or to, <clears throat> or to bring something good out of it. But why did Jesus specifically bring the disciples to this storm, to this difficult situation? I believe the reason why is because Jesus was trying to teach the disciples something. So the disciples, they had trusted Jesus enough to follow him. They had enough faith in Jesus to even forsake most of their professions. Some of the disciples were fishermen. Some of them were tax collectors. And they forsook everything of their lives to follow Jesus. They trusted him enough to do that. But I believe what Jesus is showing in this text is that although they trusted him enough to follow him, they didn't trust that he was in control. 
of even the hard situations that they would go through. And I believe that we can see a glimpse in that in Jesus' response to the disciples. After he calms the storms, he specifically looks at them and says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? In other words, have I not proven to you that I'm in control? Have I not proven to you who I am? And so understanding this point that God leads us into these situations for a purpose, I believe causes us to ask questions to ourselves. And that is, can we trust that God has us here, has placed us in this situation for a purpose, and can we trust that purpose is good for us? The Bible promises that all things work together for, for good for those who love God. Can we trust that today, even in the situations that we are currently in? You know, very much for me, the hardest thing was, was trying to understand the purpose in the hardships that I've gone through. I said I would continue telling you guys the story of me and Mara in that instance, and I left off with the story with saying I was trusting that God was in control. But as things went on and they continued, as Mara continued to suffer in her situation, I began to ask God why. I understood that he was in control, but I began to question his purpose behind it. Because in that situation, I was placed in a placed in a situation to where I had to watch the person that I love suffer going through these health instances. I, see, I had to see how that affected my future in-laws and my own family, and I was completely helpless to do anything about it. So that caused me to ask God, why are you allowing this to happen? But God since then has brought me to a place to where, in some ways like Job, I still have I still couldn't tell you what the exact purpose is of why Mara has gone through that and is still going through that. But I can tell you, God has brought me to places multiple times where I can say, God, I can trust that your purpose through this is too wonderful for me to understand. And he's calling us to trust him in that way today. But I want to acknowledge with this next point that that may not be everybody's problem. Maybe, you're not, maybe your problem is not trusting the purpose behind God leading you in this. Maybe your problem today is maybe trusting that he is in control. Maybe your situation is trying to convince you that this is too big, it is going to overtake you, and it is too big for God to handle. But what I want to affirm to you today is that God is in control of your situation. He's in complete control. And he's so in control, in fact, that he is completely unsurprised and unshaken by our storms, even the hardest situations that we go through, God is completely unshaken. So where do we see that in our text? Let's look at verse 37 again. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. This storm was bad. And the first thing that I want to point to to show how bad it was is the language that Mark and Luke used to describe this storm. The language that they used in the Greek to describe this great windstorm is language that we would use today to describe an earthquake or a hurricane. This was a storm of mega proportion. And so the next thing that also adds to this is the disciples' response to the storm. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are dying? These guys were fishermen. They had lived on the sea. They had specifically lived on this sea. The Sea of Galilee is where they were fishing day in and day out. They were experts and probably had seen a great multitude of storms 
before this. And to quote David Platt in his study of this passage, usually it's the, and he said, usually it's the experts who know when it's time to freak out. The disciples were panicking. They were freaking out. This storm had to have been bad for them who had been on the sea their entire lives to be in this position to where they've convinced themselves that they're dying. This was a great storm. And so what is Jesus doing in the midst of this? And the Bible says that he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I could only imagine what the responses was. I could see Peter, he's running back and forth and trying to tie things down, and he's telling John, throw that out of there. They're probably deciding which one they're going to toss first. Everything is going, like everything's going wrong in this situation, and then they just hear, and they just look over and Jesus is asleep. That was probably the last straw for the disciples, seeing the only person who could save them, and he's taking a nap. I would not even know how to react in that instance. The disciples thought that he was sleeping because he did not care about them. But I don't think that's the case. Because when Jesus woke up, he calmed the storm, he gets up, and he says one command and everything stops. And then he looks at them and says, why were you so afraid? I believe that there, this storm had no power over Jesus. This was something that Jesus, it, the storm, in other words, it wasn't even a big enough of a storm to get Jesus out of bed. So he was completely unshaken by it. He was unshaken by it when he was asleep, and he was unshaken, unshaken by it when he awoke. And so he looks to the disciples and then and says, why are you so afraid? This account reminds me of another account that we see in Revelation chapter 4. And that's the context for Revelation chapter 4 is the Revelation was written by the Apostle John when he was actually exiled to an island, and people had tried to kill him twice at this point. There were multiple heresies that were growing in the churches that he had poured his life into, and he's probably asking in this instance, God, what are you doing in all this? Are you in control of this situation? What is your purpose behind this? And then what does God show John. The account that we see in Revelation chapter 4 is that John got to experience the throne room of God, and what was God doing when all this stuff was going on? He was sitting on his throne, and he was being worshipped. He wasn't just sitting there because he didn't care about John. He was like, John, just go figure this out on by yourself. He was showing that he was that much in control, that this stuff was not even enough to get him off of his throne. He was still saying, I'm still here, I'm still being worshipped, and I still have things under control. God is completely unshaken by our storms. Even the worst things in our lives, even no matter how big they seem to us, they seem so small to God. He's that powerful and he's that much in control. I've shared an illustration in the last two sermons of actually me and my brother Jared and this was account when I was really little. I don't know how old I was. And me and Jared and all of our friends, we were actually over at the Jefferson City Pools and we're swimming. And one thing I'll go ahead and mention is I've always been terrified of heights. I've gotten better since I've gotten older, but I've always been terrified of them. Like when I was a kid, I will just go up on the second step of the ladder and be like, oh my gosh, I'd be shaken. And so <clears throat> during this time, we're all having a good time at the party. And then we all decide to go to the diving board. And well, all my friends, 
one after another. They're going through, and they're having such a good time going off the diving board. And then I get up there, I climb on the ladder, I get up there, and it suddenly feels like I'm on Mount Everest. I'm literally, I'm stepping, and the diving board is shaking as I'm stepping, and I'm feeling so unstable and unscared, and so I get paralyzed by fear. The, even the lifeguard was looking out to me and trying to tell me, jump, even if you can't swim, I will get you. Everything will be okay. I didn't listen to her. I thought she was lying to me at the time. And the thing about this, some of you probably are thinking, why didn't you turn back? Why didn't you just get off the ladder? And that was because my brother Jared, who's actually sitting back there, we've always called him Stump. The man is literally just a moving muscle, pretty much. And so this has been the case for all of his life. So he's sitting there at the edge of the diving board right behind me like a gorilla, like this, and he's going, jump, go. So there's no way that I was getting out of this without jumping. I had to face my fear. And that situation was so terrifying and so big when I was that age. Now, I'm proud to say now I can jump off a diving board, so there's that, but my perspective has changed on that. This was so big when I was little, and in the same way, even our situations now, the hardest situations that we go through, God sees them as so little because he's that powerful and he's that much in control. He's completely unshaken Firestorms. Another illustration that I haven't shared in the other two things is in the two messages. I'll share in this one. Just a few weeks ago, I ended up having to go and teach at youth group like I had been for the previous Wednesdays. And this particular Wednesday, I'll just say it went rough. It was one of those things. My wife, she was sick, so she wasn't able to come help, and she's actually one of my leaders. And so we're there. Um, I do a PowerPoint presentation for the teaching and also for the music slides. That didn't end up working. That's probably because I'm bad with technology. Just everything was going wrong. And so I'm doing everything that I can just to keep the night going afloat pretty much. And I'm thinking, gosh, this is terrible. Well, in the middle of that, I end up sharing the gospel throughout the message that I was teaching that night. And then on the most least the least likely night that it could have happened, one of my kids got saved at youth group. And so I believe that was God, in a sense, telling me, he's like, hey, it doesn't matter about your performance. It doesn't matter about your situation. It is. I'm still in control here. And he's in control of your situation. And so I want to ask you today then, can you trust that God is in control? Not just generally, can you trust he is in control even of your situation that you're going through? The last thing that I want to point out in our text is that God is able to stop our storms. God has us in these situations for a purpose. He's in complete control of our storms, and he has the power to stop them. Let's read verses 39 through 41. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear. And they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? Because we serve a big God. We serve a God who has all power and a God who has the ability to change the situation that you are in with a single command. There is nothing in creation that can rival God's power. He's in complete control, no matter how bad the storm seems or how bad the situation seems. And I've asked us to trust that God is in control twice now, but I want to ask us again, 
but to trust God in a very specific way. You know, it's very easy to get into the mindset of God's able to fix the storm, he's able to stop it, so he's going to. He's going to do it the exact way that I want him to. But that's not always the case. And so what I want us to see is, what I want to ask us is can we trust God even if his will doesn't align with our own? I've used an illustration from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to illustrate this. Most of you guys know that story, and if you watch Veggie Tales, you probably know it as Shadrach, Meshach, and Benny. Pastor Jimmy even just preached on this not long ago. The story goes, three, three of those guys, they got brought before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, who was trying to get them to bow down before an idol. And he said to them, I'm going to give you one more chance. Bow down to the idol. And they said, no, we're not going to do it. So then he goes and says, all right, you're going to go in the fiery furnace, and we're going to turn it up seven times hotter than normal. And then he almost starts mocking them and says, who's going to deliver you from me? And then they look at him and said, our God is able to deliver us from you, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. In other words, even if he does not save us, even if the fires consume us, we are going to trust that he's in control and he has a plan. Can we trust God even if the fires consume us? Even if his will does not align with our own? I believe this is what it means to trust God. To trust him in a way to where we are willing to submit our wills to him. And I understand that this may be really hard for some of us. But I want to promise you that God promises that whatever he does, he does it for the good of those who love him. So church, today, can we trust that the situations we are going through, God has us going through them for a purpose? Can we trust that he is in control of those hard situations? And again, can we trust him if his will differ from, differs from our own? I want to promise you guys, I know the situation may seem scary that you're in, and it may seem that you're doing everything you can just to keep afloat. But God's got you. He has you in the palm of his hand, and he promises to do everything for your good. It may look different than what your will is wanting, but it's for your good, and that I can promise you. So with that, I'm going to pass things off to Pastor Preston, and he's going to pray for us. And then we're going to continue in worship and communion.